Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, offering a broad range of cardiac and vascular treatments in our community. More information is available at upmc.com slash centralpaheart. Welcome to The Spark. I'm Scott Lamar. Halfway through the third winter of COVID-19, we have not seen the wave or surge of cases that we did the previous two years. Why not? There was an uptick of COVID cases nationally just after the holidays, but in the past few weeks, that trend has reversed itself. Last fall, hospitals across the country were dealing with a surge in RSV, especially amongst children. Then came the flu, and then that increase in COVID. It may not be as well-known or as widespread as the Omicron variant last year, but the highly contagious XBB15 variant is dominant in the Northeast right now. To talk about all this on The Spark today is Dr. John Goldman, an infectious disease specialist with UPMC here in central Pennsylvania. Dr. Goldman, welcome back to the program. It is good to be back. Thank you. So what are you seeing here in central Pennsylvania when it comes to COVID? We are seeing COVID go from being a pandemic disease with very high rates of infection, lots of cases, and lots of severe disease, hospitalizations, and death to what's more like an endemic disease, a disease where it spreads more slowly, we're seeing fewer cases, but most importantly, the cases that we're seeing are much more mild. So for example, um, number of people in the hospital during the last two winters, we peaked at about 300 in our seven hospital system with COVID. We probably at our peak had 60 in the seven hospitals, so 20%, uh, 80% less. And right now we have about 27, so 90% less. And most of those patients are not on ventilators, only one or two are. So as we had vaccination, as we had more and more people get infected, most of the population has some immunity, has some pre-existing immunity to COVID. And as a result, it's turned into a much more mild disease. Now, I will keep in mind that we're still seeing roughly twice as many deaths each week from COVID than we would see during a severe flu season, but we aren't seeing anywhere near the levels of death we saw the last two seasons. So when this first started, a lot of people said, this is just the flu. And in fact, it never was. It was it caused a lot more death, a lot more hospitalization than the flu. But now that it's going through the population, more and more people have at least some immunity. It's starting to look more and more like a standard respiratory virus, like the flu. Why didn't we see that surge that so many people forecast before the winter? So I think that we didn't see a surge in hospitalizations and death. And I think we saw a slight increase We went from around 300,000 cases per week to around 450,000 in the U.S. But I think the number of cases is grossly undercounted because you count a case if it has a positive PCR and is reported. Almost everyone I know who's recently been diagnosed with COVID did it by a home test. And we probably had a bigger surge in cases, five to 10 times as many cases as we know. But importantly, 
those cases didn't produce hospitalizations and deaths because of the, of the immunity. So I think we actually had many more cases than we realized. I think there was a surge in cases, but there was not a surge in hospitalizations, not a surge in deaths because with pre-existing immunity, it is a much less severe disease. The point where we are right now, the third winter of COVID, with this illness, can we base predictions or forecast on the experiences of the past two years, or is it just ever-changing? So I think I always like to um, preface these things with I left my crystal ball at home today, but I think we can look based on other diseases like it. So for example, um, COVID is behaving a lot like pandemic flu, a new flu virus, where it goes through the population, it starts, it becomes less severe. And my predictions would be that we are going to see this turn into something where there's a yearly COVID season, You probably between April and, Oct and October and April. There is a, um, a, there are an increase in cases but each year, the number of cases will get a little bit less and then plateau out at something that looks like the flu. There'll be, a, there'll be fewer hospitalizations each year and there'll be many fewer deaths each year because we know that people who have pre-existing immunity to COVID have less severe disease. COVID is also probably mutates more rapidly than the flu, but you made mention of the XBB variant which is an Omicron variant, which has become more than half the cases in the United States and at least three quarters of the cases in the Northeast. It is more contagious than any previous variant, although it's not night and day different than Omicron. And it has some immune escape, meaning that it will get around vaccination and previous infection, especially with a uh, legacy COVID, an alpha variant, a, a, a Delta variant. But what we've seen as XBB has gone through the population is we haven't seen the same kind of surge, but most in, in cases, but most importantly, even though it has immune escape, it does not have a big increase in severe disease. So even though you're more likely to have a breakthrough infection, you're only a little bit, you're really not more likely to end up in the hospital or die. And to me, what this says is, as we the, the virus is gonna mutate, we're gonna see more variants. And I think each year there'll be a new variant. But first of all, the virus is beginning to get to the point where it's as contagious as measles. It's as contagious as our most contagious infectious diseases. And I'm not sure how much higher it can go, but more importantly, it doesn't appear as though these new variants, even if they're more contagious, even if they have more breakthrough infections, cause anywhere near the same numbers of deaths or hospitalizations, which in my mind makes that with each season, this will look more and more like the flu. But XBB, that variant, it's mm -hmm. been called highly contagious. What does that mean? Maybe compare it to Omicron or some of the other variants. Uh, even though it, we may not get as sick, it may not cause as many deaths or as hospitalizations, but what does highly contagious mean? So what it means is we actually look at it in a non-immune population. If you have a single person with COVID, 
um, or any other infectious disease, how many people get infected. And initially, COVID looked kind of like the flu, where it, for every patient with COVID, you would infect one, two, three more people. And then with each successive variant, I think um, Alpha was probably infected three to five, Delta probably infected six to eight, Omicron got up into the 14 to 16 range, and then XBB probably infects in a non-immune population, infects 18 to 20. To put that in context, the flu infects um, one to two to three, common cold four or five, measles, which in one of our most infectious is one of the most contagious infectious diseases, infects around 16 to 18. So it's as contagious as basically anything. If you were to try to get rid of it with herd immunity, remember we talked originally about herd immunity needing 70% of the population. Because it's so much more contagious, we need 90, 95%. And the other thing is, clearly because the virus mutates, it's not a one and done infection. You know, some of the things, hepatitis A, hepatitis B, mononucleosis, you get them once, the immunity stays for your life, you never get them again. With COVID, first of all, the virus mutates very rapidly, and there's clearly, you can get infected with different strains of the virus. And the second thing is, it probably, the immunity seems to fade out with time. So we're never going to get to the point where COVID goes away. The virus will mutate faster than our immunity or our vaccinations can prevent it. And even if the virus didn't mutate, there is, it, they generally, um, immunity fades out with time. And after a certain amount of time, you're at, you're at higher risk of infect, getting infected again. Our guest is Dr. John Goldman, an infectious disease specialist with UPMC here in central Pennsylvania. We're talking about COVID, and he had some relatively good news compared to uh, this time, the previous two winners. But uh, Dr. Goldman, let's talk a little bit more about that XBB variant. Um, you've pointed out how it is unique in, in some ways and more contagious. Does that mean that people as a whole, if they're thinking of ways to try to avoid getting uh, COVID, that they have to they have to do something else to mitigate uh, against uh, a more contagious variant? So if we were existing in a vacuum without previous infection, that would be absolutely true. But one of the questions you should ask is, okay, we have a more contagious variant. We have one that spreads more easily, but we're not seeing more cases. It's a bit of a contradiction. And I believe the reason for that is that when you have pre-existing immunity, it slows down the spread of the disease. So even though the virus is more contagious in a non-immune population, it'll infect more people, the population isn't non-immune. So even though it's more contagious, it probably spreads more slowly than some of the other variants did in a population which had less immunity. Now, what I will say is if you look at the people who are ending up in the hospital, the vast majority are above the age of 70. Um, and actually, um, you're clearly at highest risk if you're above the age of 80. Their rates of um, actually, death are much higher than the general population. So I would say that if you are at higher risk, you're above the age of 70, you're above the age of 80, uh, you're immune suppressed, um, those are the people 
that really should take more precautions. But I'll also point out one of the best precautions you can take is simple vaccination. And so when you get vaccinated with any vaccine, your risk of death, even in that age group, goes down roughly fivefold. If you've had a booster, it goes down tenfold. So we, I think that if you are at high risk, you still have to take some precautions. You consider wearing a mask in the airport, you consider wearing a mask in crowds, but the best precaution you can take is getting vaccinated. Um, my dad is in his 80s, had been uh, vaccinated and twice boosted, haven't got the next, the newest variant, the newest variant booster, and got cold COVID that was the equivalent of a mild case of the sniffles. He actually tested himself because he had to go to something, didn't think he was sick. My mom, who's just a little bit younger, quote unquote, I am not going to isolate from your father. She was also vaccinated, also boosted, and never got COVID. Or if she did, it was completely asymptomatic. So I think that if you are, um, I think that if you're at higher risk, you should still take precautions. Best precaution is vaccination. You know, that's something that I've noticed. I don't say a lot, but I have noticed uh, over the past three years that spouses, people living close together, that sometimes one person will get it and this, the spouse won't. What happens? I mean, when you, especially when you're living in such, such, such close proximity. Well, a couple of things. One is it depends a lot. Um, even the original virus, and just simply not everybody got, got infected. Um, some people just got lucky. Now, especially, it depends a lot on your immune status. So you are, household contacts are the highest risk. I want to say something like 50% of the people who are living with someone with COVID get infected with COVID. But if you have uh, immunity, that either by vaccination or previous infection, that number goes down. And it's possible, for example, my, that my mom got infected, but just never knew it. Uh, COVID ran through our household and I didn't isolate from my wife, um, partially because at the time she realized she had COVID, I had been exposed for a couple of days and I never got it, or at least I wasn't aware I got it. Um, some people have better immunity. Some people have been exposed more. Some people, their vaccination took more. I'm not sure we can quite explain who does and who doesn't get it from a close contact like that. Hmm. All right, so this XBB variant, uh, you touched on this a little bit early, earlier, but uh, the vaccines we have today, are they something that uh, can stop the XBB variant? So there's some really interesting data on the CDC website that if you look at the numbers of deaths, um, the people who have both been vaccinated and boosted Unless you're above the age of 70, it's incredibly rare to die from COVID. So the vaccines clearly do what they're supposed to do, which is prevent severe disease and death. And they clearly, if you're boosted, do a really good job at that. And I think the people they, they have on the website that, um, you know, the current rate of death among people above the age of, I want to say 80, is 15 per 100,000. If, if you're vac vaccinated without the newest booster, it's about five, so it goes down threefold. And then if you're vaccinated with the newest booster, it's about one, so it goes down 10 to 15 fold. 
So one of the things that we always make a kind of get confused with is vaccinations do two things. They prevent disease, but they also most importantly prevent severe disease. If COVID was a disease that most people got and it felt like a mild cold, we wouldn't, I wouldn't be on your show. People wouldn't care about it as much. The thing with COVID is that it caused a lot of severe disease, a lot of hospitalizations and a lot of death. Vaccines are effective at preventing disease, your risk of, in all comers, that, uh, boosted, non-boosted, whatever. Your risk of getting the disease goes down by threefold. Again, all ages, et cetera. But, if you're, but your risk of getting, dying from the disease goes down fivefold. So vaccines are effective at preventing any infection, but they are most effective at preventing you from getting really sick. I want to touch on a couple topics here in our last few minutes. Long COVID. Are you seeing any trends for long COVID? You know, we're seeing it, and it is one of these things that it's not entirely clear. So there are people with severe disease who are clearly just simply debilitated because they were in the hospital a long time. Many of them had damaged their lungs, damaged their heart. Many of them had strokes they were or were not aware of. And then we have younger people who are more healthy, who are really tired, and it really affects their life. There are a lot of viral illnesses, Lyme disease, which is bacterial illness, viral illnesses, which cause post-infection fatigue. And so we're really trying to sort out the, what of this is true disability, heart damage, lung damage, a stroke that occurred during COVID. What of this is more like something like post-viral fatigue? And, um, and it's probably a number of different diseases. And I don't wanna, I wanna stress that, you know, when you look at post-viral fatigue, it's severe. People have, it greatly affects your life, but we don't always understand exactly why it's happening. And with post-COVID fatigue, I think we don't understand. I think it's a number of different diseases. And I don't think we understand the differences between each. And I don't think we understand well why it's happening right now. Just a few months ago, we had you on the program talking about RSV and uh, also mm -hmm. the flu. What are you seeing? What are the trends right now? So the flu this year hit hard and hit early. We saw a peak of the flu probably in early to mid-December, which is much much earlier than usual. We saw levels of hospitalization that were about as bad as most, all but one or two of the last couple of seasons. But the good news is, at least for now, it's really gone down quickly. And I think what happened is that the population is relatively non-immune because of social distancing. As a result, it hit or hit hit hard and hit early, but it's declining rapidly now, which is good news. RSV also hit hard and hit early and is declining rapidly. Again, both of these diseases, we probably had less immunity in the population because of social distancing. The last couple of flu seasons, the last couple of RSV seasons were actually very mild, and this was the disease coming back. So we are on the last day, we're at the last day of uh, January. 
Uh, everyone's kind of looking forward to the spring uh, starting in uh, the middle of March. This time of year, what do you see? What do you warn people against uh, going forward? So I think that what we warn people, what I expect to see is I expect to see all three of these diseases, COVID, flu, and RSV continue to decline. COVID in particular has more summer disease. So we'll have to be a little bit careful as they come back. But I'm really thinking that we are seeing both a light at the end of the tunnel and we're relatively sure that that light is not a train. The COVID in particular is becoming a more mild disease. I think we're gonna to have to live with it for the rest of our lives, but I don't think people will get as sick with it um, this season. And I think it will tend to get milder with each successive COVID season. In 30 seconds or so, Dr. Goldman, uh, I heard just this week that uh, the forecast says that we probably, and I think you've said it too, will be getting an annual COVID shot. Yeah. Is one shot enough? Um, one shot probably gives you protection. An annual shot almost certainly will give you more protection because it'll boost your immunity. COVID immunity tends to fade out and it will tailor your immunity to the newest variants. I think one shot helps. I think an annual shot will help more. Dr. John Goldman is an infectious disease specialist with UPMC here in central Pennsylvania. Dr. Goldman, as always, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's still my mom's favorite show. <laughs> I was thinking of that when you were talking about your mom saying that she, she won't, and she sounded like she put her foot down, that she won't distance herself from your father. And I was just picturing that. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. You're listening to The Spark on WITF, your home for NPR, discovering all things local. I'm Scott Lamar.